In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. If you think this is weird to say Christos Anesti on Sunday, then you forgot that we always are here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on the day of the Lord. Today is Sunday, and we're coming first and foremost to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. And that's why uh, we're here gathered today primarily. It's the number one reason we're here today, is to remember the resurrection of our Lord whether we are remembering it, um, uh, whether we're remembering it during the, the, the fast of Great Lent, or whether we're remembering it during the Advent fast of our Savior, or whenever the, the, the occasion is, we're coming primarily to remember that our Savior has resurrected from the dead. He has trampled down death by death and has given us and bestowed upon us life. Secondly, we're here to celebrate today the Annunciation of our Lord. It comes in the middle of the Great Lent, uh, almost as a, a, little, a little break from the theme of Lent. Typically, it does not come on Sunday. I think the last time it was on a Sunday was 2013. Uh, at least that's what my notes have. Uh, so on 2013, and, and also recently... Um, maybe 2010, we celebrated the resurrection on this day of, the, of uh, a, couple years, a couple years back, we celebrated the resurrection on April 7th. Exactly, it doesn't happen often, um, but it happened that, that year. I don't think it'll happen for another 100 years or so. But for the most part, uh, we're celebrating this feast today, and this great feast is not unrelated to Great Lent. It's not unrelated to Great Lent. It is related to Great Lent. Yes, we don't, we don't relate typically the two together, but let us remind ourselves of the purpose of Great Lent, and then let us remind ourselves of the greatness of this Feast of the Annunciation. And we have this feast always on the icon screen in most churches, if not in all churches, where you have Archangel Gabriel coming to St. Mary. Now, Great Lent, the purpose of Great Lent is it's a journey to the resurrection. Great Lent is there to prepare us. It's not there to punish us. It's not there to uh, make us feel bad. Uh, it's not there to uh, make us suffer because we can't eat uh, meat or fish or cheese or milk. It's not there so that we are feeling uh, life is difficult, Christianity is difficult. Great Lent is there to purify us. And we can't obtain purity spiritually without focusing also on our bodies. The two of them are connected. The two of them are related. The two of them affect each other. When you're stressed out, how many of you when you're stressed out... <coughs> Uh, there's some uh, stress at work or stress at home, you find yourself catching a cold, or you find yourself getting sick, or you find yourself uh, getting a headache. 
the two are related, the psychological and the physical. And also, the physical has an effect on the soul. If I am physically uh, not praying, if I'm physically not going to church, if I'm physically not standing up, if I'm physically not doing the sign of the cross, all of that will have an effect on my soul as well. If I'm committing sins with my body, it has an effect on my soul and it has an effect on my eternal life. And there was a heresy in the early church where the people would say, whatever I do with my body doesn't matter. It's the soul that matters. And so I can eat and drink and do all kinds of evilness with my body because the soul is what counts. The body doesn't. And this was a heresy for many centuries. It was under the main heresy of Gnosticism. The Gnostics believed this. But, but we have for us the answer to this heresy is Jesus Christ. Because we celebrate today Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Taking flesh like you and me. Uh, he became like one of us. I, 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 it's, it's a mystery that we cannot imagine. That God... <coughs> that God would decide to permanently attach himself and become human. It's not, he, he didn't fake it. It wasn't until, and it wasn't until the resurrection. After the resurrection, he, re, he resurrected in a glorious body, in the, in the resurrected human body, connected with his divinity, and entered into the kingdom of heaven. St. Cyril of, of Alexandria takes a, a, a contemplation of the psalm that we uh, say on the day of resurrection where you have the words um, open, open the gates and lift up the doors right? open the gates and lift up the doors so the king of glory can come in and then you have this question who is the king of glory? the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle the Lord mighty in wars and Saint Cyril says this was the conversation between the angels inside and outside of heaven. When they saw a human being walking towards, when they saw a human being walking towards the gates, saying, Who is this? Because they could not recognize Jesus in the flesh. They could not recognize the second person of the Trinity in the flesh. And they said, You don't know who this is? This is the, the Lord. The Lord mighty in battle, the, 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 the Lord who is strong and mighty in, in deed. And also, it's in Isaiah as well. Isaiah chapter, I believe it's uh, 60. Forgive me. It's, in, it's either in 61, 60, 60 or 60 to 63. You'll find this passage of uh, 63. It says, Who is this that comes from Edom in crimson garments, in red garments, from Bozrah? He that is glorious in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. Who is this? And then the answer is, it is I announcing vindication, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads in the winepress? And then the answer, which is Christ, it says, 
I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their life blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all of my clothing. God came down and became like one of us in a mystery that we can spend the rest of our lives and eternity trying to comprehend. Why? Why would He care so much about His creation? The fathers of the church, like St. Irenaeus, St. Athanasius, they said, it came to a point where God was trying to save His people, trying to send them messengers, send them prophets. First, before that, He sent them the law. Okay, if you can't remember what I created inside of you, right? Cain kills Abel. Cain kills Abel, not because there wasn't a ten, the Ten Commandments to teach him that their murder is wrong. It's because he forgot the law that God had put inside of his heart. And so God sends them a written law. And then after the written law, he sends them prophets. From Moses all the way through to Malachi, sends them messengers. And still, they are not looking up to him. They forget. And for 400 years, there's silence. Then God says, fine, if they are going to look to materials if they're going to look to creation, if they're going to be worshipping trees and rocks, if they're going to be worshipping the sun, then I will become created. I will become created material. I will become what they can see, what they can hear, what they can touch, so that they can look to me, and through looking to me, they can look to God the Father. St. John, in his epistle that we read today, from the first epistle of St. John, chapter 1, he said, that which was from the beginning. This is talking about Jesus Christ. From the beginning, not the beginning of creation, from the beginning that, that there is no beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and handled with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He's speaking about how Jesus became human for us. We all saw Him. We all felt Him. We all related to Him. This great mystery is what we're trying to prepare ourselves through great Lent to receive. Not... Spirit, not physically but spiritually the great mystery of our salvation all of this is so that when we celebrate the resurrection we really believe in the resurrection when we celebrate Pascha our mind and our hearts and our bodies are all focused on that and we see a perfect example in Saint Mary imagine you're a Jew at the same time as Saint Mary and for the Jewish people, there had been no word from God for hundreds of years. Yet we find St. Mary where? In the temple. We find St. Mary where? Dedicated. Dedicated to God. She had been dedicated in her life and she was living in the temple. This is not far from us. This is not something that you know, this is a monk or like a, the monks or the nuns. No, this is, this is very relatable to us because we were all baptized. And in our baptism, we were made into the children of God. 
sons and daughters. If we want to say the word dedicated, completely dedicated, 100% consecrated. Consecrated like, like anything here that's consecrated. This plate that we have, that we have the body and blood, a body of Christ on. Can any of you take it home and eat dinner on it? No way, right? This is consecrated. This is, if, we don't, if we're done using this, we destroy it. We don't use it for anything else. Any altar that we have that is consecrated is only to be used as an altar, never to be used as a, a table someplace else. And you yourself, you were consecrated. You were in the same shoes as Jesus Christ at His baptism when the Word of God the Father came down and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The same words were said about you on your baptism. This is my daughter. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So seeing St. Mary dedicated in the temple is not something that is completely different or unrelated to us. We were all dedicated as well. Where we are found today is a different story. Where we find ourselves today is a different story. Where is your heart? This is what the church is always asking you. Where is your heart? Do we have it really with the Lord? When we say our hearts are with the Lord, or we, li- we have them with the Lord? Or is our heart and our mind someplace else, someplace far away? Jesus Christ said about the Pharisees, They approach me with their lips and with their tongues, but their hearts are far away. So we see Mary in the temple, dedicated to God, and we see an example of what we're supposed to be like. Was she created special? Was she given special genetics? No. She was just like you, just like me. Her parents were holy parents. And you have holy parents as well, because you have God as your father, and you have the church as your mother. And if you listen to your father, and you listen to your mother, you will find yourself also holy, like St. Mary. St. Mary is found in the temple, and she's found as a little girl or a young child, maybe 12, maybe 15 years of age. She finds herself there, and we find her already someone who knows Scripture. She knows the Old Testament. How do we know this? Because when the archangel comes to her and says, Hail to you, O full of grace, she finds this greeting strange, because no one has ever been greeted like this in in all uh, of the writings of the church, in all of the writings of the Old Testament. Nobody was ever greeted like this. And then we find, when she goes to Elizabeth, her words to Elizabeth My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. If you read that whole prayer, or that whole, uh, not speech, but that whole uh, prayer that she gives, you find that she understands the Old Testament and she's looking for all the right things and she's waiting for all the right things and she understands that the hand of God is working. So she she wasn't in the temple just, you know, cleaning the dishes and sweeping the floors and just doing things. She was in the temple learning more and growing more and more in her knowledge of God. All of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, all of the writings of the Old Testament, all that was done in the Old Testament was done so that there could be someone like Mary who could say yes to God. 
God was waiting for the right time when He could act, when He could come down and save humanity. What happens if He came to St. Mary and said, the, holy, the, the righteous one, the Holy One is going to be in you and, and you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and shall call His name Jesus. What happens if Mary said, no, no thank you. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of this. What would happen? Nothing. No salvation. Can God force Himself on you? Can God force Himself to come down? If He forced Himself on us, then we're slaves. We're not children. If He forces Himself on us, if He does something which we are not accepting, then He's forcing us. Then it doesn't matter if I believe or I don't believe. You're going to force yourself on us. You're going to force us to believe. You're going to force us to, to follow you. Then it doesn't matter. He said, no. God who created us, created us with free will and respects our free will. Is our free will incapable of accepting God? No. It's not incapable of accepting God. It did not want to accept God from the very beginning. You have Adam and Eve who said, we want to be like God without God. We'll take this piece of fruit. It seems like the quickest way to become like God without God. And then we find all of humanity on a big detour until we find St. Mary who says, no, I'm not going to follow this pattern. I'm not going to do like everyone else. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to fight against what my human, what, what is inside of me. And I'm not going to say human nature. Because when we say human nature, we give ourselves an excuse. But when we look to St. Mary, we see somebody like us who chose not to sin, who chose to dedicate herself to God, who chose to follow the commandments. She made choices. You have to make choices. She made choices in her career. She made choices in her education. She was uneducated. And she was untrained. She made choices even though a woman in her society cannot be taken, needs, forgive me, needs a man to take care. Because in that society, women were the lowest of the low. The the class system, they were the lowest of the low. And she calls herself a slave, a female slave. But she's saying about herself, I am the lowest of the low. And instead of saying, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to get an education, I'm going to become very successful, and she loses her focus, she says, no, I'm going to dedicate myself to God. And all of this is so that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when she comes and she's in the temple, and God comes to her, she's able to say yes. There's a very complicated uh, technical word for this, I've said it before, but I'll repeat it again. The word is synergy. Synergy. It's an English word. Uh, another uh, synonym of this word is cooperation. Synergy and cooperation, I always have to do this, this uh, motion because it's two hands, it's two things coming together, working as one. Synergy is to work together. We have to work together in our own salvation with God. Nothing can be forced upon us. And we see St. Mary working with God. And just as St. Mary is working with God, saying yes to God, we have to work with God and say yes to God. And we say yes to God, not in the big, in a big way where we say, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then I do whatever I want with my life. But I accept God in every moment 
of every day with every choice that I make. Every word that I say has to go through some sort of a choice, some sort of a test. Is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying honest? Is what I'm saying necessary? Is what I'm saying kind? Is what I'm saying according to the gospel? Or am I just saying words, idle words, useless words, hurtful words, words that do not build up somebody but cut them down and destroy them? This is a a choice that we make. A choice that we make like St. Mary makes. Yes to God and no to myself. No to what I want. No to my own desires. No, No to my own will. Instead of being egocentric all the time, we have to change ourselves to become Christocentric. Where Christ is formed within us. And this is the promise of today. That just as Christ is formed in St. Mary, so too can Christ be formed in you. If you want it. If you want it. And if you work towards it. And if you carry the cost of that decision. It's not an easy decision. Was it an easy decision for Mary? Being unmarried and pregnant in that society? She was bringing problems upon herself. Yet she was courageous. And there are many in our culture and in our society. Not just in Egypt, but here in America. People that make a choice. Am I going to live by the standards of the world? Or am I going to live by the higher standard of what Jesus Christ has called us to live by? Does it mean you might be fired from your jobs for not doing what your boss wants you to do? Possibly, yes. Does it mean maybe not going to college? I'm talking about college kids now. Let me talk to the parents. Look, college is not the best decision for all of your children. I'll be open and honest about that. And I'm the first one. I know my kids are young, but I'm the first one. You can hold me to that later on in life. College is not the best decision. Why? Because you're taking them to a place where God, for all intents and purposes, does not exist on the lips of the professors or in the mouths of the other students. And when they're in a place where no, no one is speaking about God, it breaks them down over time. And when there's no strong answers in the house, forgive me, if they're not seeing God in the house, I'm not talking about in pictures, I'm talking about in the way that we're acting with one another, becomes a way for them to slowly slip out of the church. We have to make choices and decisions based on the life that we want to live. The life that we want to live is not the life here. It's the life there. Our life here is a vapor. And we have to make tough choices about that. That is true and sticks with what we have promised at our baptism or what we, we accepted from our baptism all the way through to our death. So that at our death, we don't say that that's a death, we say that's a departure. Our first death is our baptism. And that's the death that we died and we rose and we live life eternal forever. There's no stopping us. We start now and we keep going. But we meditate on this feast of the Annunciation. We meditate on it because what St. Mary did, we want the courage and the ability to do also in our lives. Every time we stand up for prayer, every choice that we make in terms of what we do with the money we earn, every Everything in our life, there is a decision. And that decision is, has to be according to the gospel. And we thank, we thank God that we have a wonderful example like St. Mary. If we never had any other saints, St. Mary is enough. 
St. Mary, everything we can possibly imagine is in St. Mary. And she becomes to us our mother and our guide. This year we're celebrating 50 or 51 years of St. Mary's appearance in Zaytun. We know her presence among us. And many of you have had personal interactions with the Virgin Mary in your day-to-day lives. We know that she is with us. We know that she is guiding us. So let us take today to reflect on our decisions. Let us take today to reflect on, our, uh, on our, the level of our Christianity. Let us take today to say, no, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. I want Christ to be formed in me fully, completely. I want to be a true Christian. I want to be one, when I take the body and blood of Christ on this altar, I don't want it to disappear the second I leave this room. I want it to stay with me. I want it to be what governs my words, my thoughts, my hearts, my desire, my direction. I want to be found in the temple when God comes for me. I want to be found looking up to Him, waiting for Him. I want to be found someone who has done the best I can do in this life. You don't have to be St. Mary. You have to be the best version, what we say, the best version of yourself. What's the best version of yourself? What's the best Daniel Habib can do? What's the best that you can do? This is what we, when we fall short, we get up. We fall short, we get up, we live a life of repentance. We don't stop, we keep going. It doesn't matter. We're going to get there as long as we follow this pattern. Keep getting up. Keep walking. Forward motion. Don't give up. May the blessings of this great feast be with us all. And the blessing of the resurrection be with us all. And may God guide us and allow us to continue uh, to celebrate the Holy Pascha, the Holy Passover, the Holy Resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, now and ever and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Amen.